Next Chapter Podcasts. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. The 500. The 500. J.A.M. been walking us down through that 2012 edition, so it ain't nothing too new. Hundreds more to go, and in need of a friend, the king of these for Angelo, talking the 500 until the end. Talking the 500 until the end, with my man J.A.M. On the 500. Talking the 500 until the end. When I felt what I've known, never shine through what I've shown. Never be, never see, won't see what might have been. What I felt. That's the Unforgiven by Metallica from the 1991 self titled record. It's not self titled, it's the Black Album. That's what it is. Uh, it's number 255 out of 500 on my show, The 500 Podcast with Josh Adam Myers. What's up, party people, you fleece army skadoodles? Uh, thank you for joining us again on the only podcast that's going through Rolling Stone Magazine's list of the 500 greatest albums with a comedian that's got a sheet of paper in front of him that's got some facts. Uh, but it's really just a discussion between two human beings about music and art and life. And if we talk about the record, great. And if we talk about fucking you know if they were they were touched as a child hey that's where we're going who knows but it's fun man we're almost done we're almost we're five away from the halfway point five um all right this weekend i am in toronto uh at the comedy bar and levity live uh get tickets at joshadammyers.com if you live in toronto mark i'm talking to you with your bad foot mark's great mark always does the um his own little like uh, write-ups of every record. I want to know if people are doing that. You know what? If you're listening to the podcast, take a screenshot of how you're listening. Tag me at Josh Adam Myers and tag at the 500 podcast. Share it on your stories. And because uh, I want to see who's really paying attention. And uh, we'll send you some merch. JT will pick out somebody uh, at random and send you some merch. Also subscribe to the Patreon. Patreon.com backslash the 500 podcast. $5 gets you a bunch of stuff. Uh, support the show, support the show, support the show. Have I done anything this week? I think last week I mentioned I went to see Erica Badu. I didn't go into it because I didn't think about it. I was just, honest to God, it was the best smelling concert I'd ever been to in my life. Hands down. I thought Janet Jackson was the best smelling concert. No. Erica Badu. And then I saw The Smile the night before at Forest Hills, uh, which, you know, for a band that, that's only got one record, I, I can every time you go to the show, it's like ninety five percent Radiohead fans, and and I think anybody's just trying to find anything that's remotely close to Radiohead. 
<clears throat> God, my voice is gone. I can't even talk. I got to wrap this up. I got to get to the episode. I have to protect my voice because I'm going on a 44 city arena tour and, um, and I've got nodules and inflammation and it's just insane. It's insane how much God wants me to fail and I have to fucking push through. Um, God, is he real? I was waiting for an answer. Nobody really hit me back. I think so. Maybe universe is what are you doing, Josh? We need to get to the fucking episode. Um, follow me on my journeys though, on the tour. Um, I'll be posting daily venue clips, really cool shit with me and jelly roll and my band. I'm super stoked at Josh Adam Myers. Get on the train now because it's about to get fuzzan fuzzan. That's a new word. Everybody. There's somebody mad that I'm talking like this. Probably he's like, just get to the fucking, I think we're going to talk about it in the episode. We recorded this a while ago, but, um, I still remember when this came out. I still remember how big deal it was. Um, you know, Metallica, don't forget, like they went from the album before this is Injustice for All, which is just straight thrash. So this is the first time they're getting real radio play and, and it just took over. And uh, there's a bunch of comics that we were we were figuring we'd get. And then um, I ran into Jim at the stand and I was like, oh, yeah, dude, you're you've you've like, I mean, the Christ, the guy hosted seven seasons of VH1's That Metal Show. Uh Funny dude, man. Real funny dude. Real rock star dude. We always talk concerts. Um, and I love that. I love being able to like just, you know, oh, you get it. Uh, Jim Florentine's our guest today. How excited are you? I am. Rate, review, and most importantly, subscribe to the 500. Follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media. Oh, if you're if you listen to the podcast, leave a five-star review. Email the podcast at 500podcast at gmail.com and follow the Facebook group run by Crazy Evan. And for all things 500, go to the website, the500podcast.com. Oh, man, if my voice was good, I would have given you so much more fucking Hetfield. I can't. I, my voice is trashed, man. Here we go. 255 out of 500 with the Black Album by Metallica. We're, gonna, we're talking. We're talking. We're talking heart today on uh, yeah. on the five hundred with Josh Adam Myers and and long overdue having Jim Florentine on. So thank you for coming on, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> man, no problem. I remember you hit me up on this like four years ago when you said I, before you even started it, you go, "Listen, I'm, I'm doing this thing. I want you to be a part of. Let me know." Oh, yeah. like, of course. Yeah, I remember out in L.A. probably four or five years ago you brought this up. Well, people always say never talk about how you met somebody to, during a podcast, but I that you were one of those people. That that the minute I met you, we started talking music, and within 30 seconds, we were like, all right, dude, Faith No More, I've seen Faith No More, Megadeth, not my favorite, but great show during the This and This tour. Oh, I went to the, it's just like, it was so easy. And I think, you know, when you're dealing with so many, like, comedians that we're meeting that are, like, some of them are nerds, the bands they like are like REM. Like, go fuck yourself, yeah, dude. Yeah. All right, automatic for the people. So that's actually a good record. And it's coming up on the podcast. You ever go into a deep REM dive? No. Really? No, it's the they're okay. They got a few good, decent hits, but uh, I'm I'm not not a fan. What's the song? If you had to say that this is your REM song, what uh, do you got? It did, whatever the hits, I forget what is that. Give me uh, one. Just give me one with the title, because I can give you one. I get the most. The most. I like the slow one. The, the slow class. I forget what the hell. Is, what's it called? Everybody hurts. Yeah, that's a great song. Great I mean, song. I know it's it's you know it's worn out and played out and stuff, but that's a great song. Funny that you mentioned that because that's coming. The record's coming up on the podcast, 
and uh, I've been very emotional recently. I just, I don't know if my estrogen's too high because I've balanced out the testosterone that I'm taking, but I've been crying, listening to music and crying nonstop. That song, oh, I'm talking a good weep. A good, a good solid right. four and a half minute weep. It starts slow, and then when it gets into the when you're on your own, oh, I didn't cry listening to this record. All right, before we even get into Metallica, how is your calcium right now? Tell everybody. No, you're- fifty-five. <laughs> I got a fifty-five score, and I'm pissed I didn't get a zero. Uh, the reason I'm bringing this up, everybody, is because literally we're doing this at 11 a.m. on uh, on Wednesday, May 24th. So it's a way ahead of when this comes out because I'll be on tour with Jelly Roll. Um, but last night I did a sleep study at Norwell. I didn't sleep at all. Uh, maybe an hour and a half. I've got gook in my hair right now. I shouldn't say gook in my hair. That sounds really <laughs> Vietnam-esque. But maybe when I shouldn't have called it out. That's probably even worse. Nobody would even thought about it. But... Uh, yeah, you know, the funny thing is Jim Norton did a sleep study and posted a picture of of his like with all the contraptions on. And then I just sent him I just sent him my picture. I was like, dude, like we're apnea brothers. <laughs> like he was like, Where were you? We we that was great to be able to connect with somebody. The way that I've connected with you over music, I connect with Norton over apnea. Exactly. And that's how me and Norton connected over heavy metal. Cause when I first met him, we both started doing comedy at the same time. He was a big Ozzy and black Sabbath fan. And yeah. so was I, and that's how we connected and became friends over because he, he knew the stuff. So besides all of the badass bands that you like, what would be your guilty pleasure before we even get into Metallica? Cause this is, this is like, this is you talking Metallica is going to be the easiest most comforting conversation to our listeners ever. They feel like they're in, they're in good hands. You're holding them right now. Mm. What I want to know is what is your, what is your guilty pleasure band? Um, you know, some Bon Jovi stuff. What? Yeah. Because he grew up in my, t- like the town over from me, Sayreville, New Jersey. I grew up in Old Bridge. So it was one town over. I used to know his brother. I used to hang out with his brother. So it was always, and I, I Ron Bon Jovi. <laughs> <laughs> Ron. Tony, it was Tony Bon Jovi. Tony Bon Jovi, Tony bon Jovi yeah. <laughs> Spelled the real way with the G-I-O-V-I. Like well, yeah, he's... funny that you mentioned that. I, I do my man on the street shit here in New York City. I haven't done it in a minute. But uh, the last session that I did, I was in Washington Square Park, and I ran into a kid. I started interviewing. It's it's Romeo Bon Jovi, his oh, yeah. son. Right. And he... the coolest, nicest kid. And I, I, got, I talked to him about being a Bon Jovi kid, and it, it was just great. So they're out there. But, you know, because you know what happened was they were like a local band that started in the bars and then made it big and were playing arenas. And you everyone got, that? huh? You remember the, 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 the I don't remember it because I didn't see him back then. They weren't in the, they weren't in the clubs for that long in Jersey, but everyone got jealous. They're like, oh man, I remember you used to see him when they were in a bar. So what? So what? They graduated. They moved on. I hate when people think like that because, yeah, it was great when you saw them in a bar. But now it's like when someone gets a promotion at a job, when they start off as a secretary and then they're, they're you know, the vice president of the company. Yeah, yeah. Eight years later, are you mad about them that they started as the secretary? So I was always against that. It's almost like our friend Bill Burr. You know, I remember Bill when he used to open for. Yeah, well, he doesn't anymore. Now he does arenas. Yeah. So what? He's not allowed to graduate. Yeah. He's fucking great. Did, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that because my next question is, is were you ever in a band? And the reason I'm going to ask you that is it's going to go coincide with what you just said is that 
I, in my hometown, I was the, the four guys that I jammed with Tassos, Ben, Dave and Kevin Bagini. Like that was like, we were like the, the grungy Pantera tool listening to all that music. And then we had our own band in Tassos's basement. And, and that was it. We didn't know anybody, uh, anybody else that really was in a band or jam. But then, but then uh, maybe a couple years later after that band broke up, my friend uh, Ryan started this band, this side band. It was like a reggae band. And they started getting a little bit of, not heat, but just they were playing shows. And I got so jealous. Just like you were saying, like, like you know, like instead of looking at them like, like oh, good for them. I was like, I sh that should be my band. Like I had that attitude where I was like, I sh I'm the music guy from this town. I'm the good singer. And... I think people might have just had that as well in in Jersey, but that, you know but I mean? they weren't necessarily musicians. They were just people that lived in the town. Go, yo, now he's big time. Oh, now he's got a you know he gets a special table at a restaurant. Yeah, sorry, he you know he moved on. They moved quick too, right? Yeah, they moved pretty quick. Yeah, so that it, so I always had a special place in my heart for the band. I mean, some of the stuff, some of the early stuff was pretty good, which coincides with what we're talking about. Bob Rock was the engineer and mixer on a, the two of their biggest albums, Slippery When Wet. And also uh, New Jersey, who, you know, did the Metallica Black album. Yeah. So Bob Rock, um, if I'm not mistaken, what he looks like, I could pull up a picture, but like long blonde hair kind of, because I always remember a year and a what's that documentary a year and a half in the life of metallica what is that it's yeah that Binge was and purge uh yeah that was part of that and then also he was also in the um some kind of monster documentary when they were making yeah. the san, san anger record yeah this well before i even get into Metallica, were you ever in a band no do you have any musical ability no, i whatsoever? tried all my friends were in bands growing up i was a lefty so they couldn't teach me guitar They're like can you play righty oh no i can't play righty so i had no one to teach me and then i went for singing lessons one time the lady's like look you don't have a you don't have an ear for music because you always want me to do the comedy jam you're like dude yeah. come up there and sing i'm like i can't i got no i go i could do motorhead ace of spades that's great and you're like that's fine because i can sing like lemmy that's it that's, that's all great. i can do we don't do you think i can't do system of a down do i like you, tony hinchcliffe dude you think tony can't even sing Tony can't sing. What he makes up for in, in lack of voice is in the showmanship. Right, yeah, yeah. That yeah. is what you gotta do. If you're doing ace of spades, you put your fucking leg on the fucking yeah. on the on the speaker that your monitor, and then you just fucking you just rock. I'm yeah. surprised. So is that why you got so into metal? Like that you were just like fascinated by these guys being able to do shit that you couldn't do. Yeah. Well, yeah, I was always in the music and my friends were, I didn't have the, the, you know, I went for singing lessons one time. The woman goes, look, you don't have any ear for music. I could take your money or, you know, you Sweet keep coming lady. back. And I, I was, I, I liked that she was honest with me. Yeah. And then I was just around all the bands and then I would go see, I'd sneak in bars and go see Twisted Sister was huge before they made it big. They would do like 3000 people on a friggin' Monday night. Wow. And Dee Snyder's up there fucking riffing in between the songs, making fun of people and shit. I'm like, man, that's fucking cool. And then David Lee Roth being funny in interviews. I'm like, I want to be, I want to, you know, try, I got to get up on stage somehow. So that's how I started doing comedy. I, I really wanted to be a musician, but I just didn't have it. So. Yeah, yeah, I, I get it. I get it. It's it's a. It, I think for me as a kid, like you you when I because I think the first big rock stars that I really became obsessed with were Iron Maiden, and I mean it wasn't even just the I didn't see. It's not, there wasn't YouTube, so you couldn't just, you know, type in their name and watch music videos, but you just like listen to that record and you just, you heard the guitars and you heard Bruce Dickinson's voice. And I was like, that's the coolest shit I've ever heard. And then once Guns N' Roses came, 
it was over. Then yeah. I was just like, I was just lost into music and that's all I was focused. And I started getting into the, the shittiest of the hair metal bands, like whatever firehouse white lion, uh, God damn. I mean, I, I, I'm gonna call Tesla shitty, but you know, right. cause I always, I might mention them as like, as kind of like a shittier band. And then somebody would be like, dude, Tesla kind of fucking rules. Yeah. Thoughts. Yeah. They, they weren't in, in the hair metal. They escaped that cause they came out a little later and they weren't all spandex and puffy hair true. and makeup and shit like that. True. And true. So no, no, those guys and still to this day, they're still torn pretty much all the original guys except for maybe one. And they're great. I, I just, I, I just remember signs and I remember, how yeah, I guess they are closer to the Black Crows than they are to to Motley Crue, right? Yeah, I would say, but then then like a Poison or a Cinderella, they're definitely not in that same category. What would you rank your favorite band of all time? Like, who was that? Black Sabbath. Black Sabbath. Yeah. All right. So that started when you were in you were a teenager. I'm assuming. My I had two older brothers, four or five years older than me. I was ten. They were fifteen, sixteen, driving around or just you know I'd shared a room with them. Those seven kids. And they were just cranking Ted Nugent, ACDC, Black Sabbath, you know, and stuff like that. Judas Priest. And then I just got into it. I had no choice. And then I'd drive it around when they were 17. I'd be in the back seat, just and they'd be cranking, you know, whatever, ACDC. And then t- going to shows as a kid. I was uh, going to shows when I was 12 years old. Oh, at 12? Yeah. yeah, they were taking me. My parents let them take me. They were 17, 18 at the time. So I saw ACDC with Bon Scott twice. Oh, wow. I saw Ozzy with Randy Rhodes five times. Was he really that just that amazing, Randy Rose? It was phenomenal. Yeah. Phenomenal. I met him a couple times, too, because I'd wait outside the venue. I'd get there like three in the afternoon. You're a fucking 11-year-old. <laughs> like they're going to sign an autograph, take a picture. At, at that time, I was probably like, yeah, I was a junior in high school. And I remember that the venue was Sunrise Musical Theater down in Fort Lauderdale. It was only two miles from my house. Yeah. So I walked there. I got there like two in the afternoon. I go, I'm just going to wait out front. And they all came out of a cab one by one. I talked to Randy because I saw the show the night before. I talked to Rudy, all that stuff. So- Sarzo? Yeah, Ru- Rudy Rudy's, Sarza, it's, Rudy's the best. Rudy is my my one of my best friend Avery Pearson's neighbor in Woodland Hills, and he sees him gardening and doing. He, he's just like he, he was like I think he's a rock star, and I'm like, what's his name? He's like Rudy Sar Rudy Sarzo. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, oh my god, we talk we talk lawns together, and like, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's it's great. Who introduced you to Metallica, and how old were you? So I'm probably, um. What, 60, uh, 17, 18? Yeah. I just graduated high school. There was a guy in Old Bridge, New Jersey, Johnny Z. He owned Megaforce Records. And he had a he had a record shop and a flea market. So every Friday he would get these import records coming in. So me and my friends were a bunch of losers. We had no girlfriends. We just liked heavy metal. We had mustaches. We grew mustaches so we can get beer. So we get served. That, so we that looked, real like yeah. So we looked older when yeah, we go yeah, in to yeah, go yeah. get liquor. So that's why. So we had bad mustaches and we just, so we had no girl. So we just, every Friday night we go to his record store and just hang and he would play these albums. Hey, here's this band Accept out of uh you know out of Germany. Here's this band you know all these and then he, he came in one day he goes i got this look at this band it's on cassette no life to leather okay. he goes this band's from uh, san francisco he goes they're gonna be huge i'm gonna manage them so he put it on i remember hearing it like i'm like holy shit i never heard anything like what it. what was the original name it was no life to leather the cassette it was a five e five song but it's called metallica but yeah no, Meta- okay, metallica okay, okay, no okay. life to leather <laughs> I was like, is that their original name no life no, to no. leather that was the, the cassette they first put out their okay. first thing and he was selling them in the store he put it on he would and we just sit in the store and listen to their music so i bought it and he goes i'm gonna bring these guys over i'm gonna i'm gonna they're gonna be on my label so they were like the first band that was signed to megaforce 
Well, so was that at that time? Because you know, Metallica is known as being one of the major bands in like originating thrash. You know, you always talk about Anthrax, right? Uh, Metallica, Megadeth. Even though Megadeth spawned from Metallica, am I missing any other bands that are kind of like at the forefront? Slayer. Slayer, there you yeah. go. Yeah, that's that, that's basically that concert that they were doing a few years ago. Yeah. So it, was it just that you had never heard anything like Metallica? Because by the time I heard them, I think it was already at Injustice for All. Okay. When I really, when I really under, and then I went back and got Kill 'Em All, Master of Puppets, uh, Ride the Lightning. Right. And then before you even get to this record, because I want to talk about the the evolution of how this went to get here. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey everyone, this is Tuck from Fit for a King, an off-road minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Moths to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I um, no, I always liked the heavier stuff. I was a big Motorhead fan. So uh, so when I heard No Life to Leather, I'm like, holy shit, this was before the hair bands hit, about 84, 85, when Motley Crue, and then the Cinderella's, the Poisons. Yeah. So all the shit was he- way heavier. Yeah. The Judas Priest stuff was super heavy, and all that, the Maiden stuff was great, so... Um, he says, look, I'm going to manage this band. I'm going to bring them over here. Next thing I know, they're hanging out in my town in Old Bridge, New Jersey, Metallica. And Mustaine was still in the band at the time. Holy shit. So he flew them over to the East Coast and they were staying at his house. He had lived in like a little shitty neighborhood, like a next neighborhood over from me. I'm six, I guess 17 at the time. Yeah. And I remember him one time, they just had a baby, the guy John Z and his wife. And he's like, listen, man, you got to get these guys out of my house. They're driving me nuts. <laughs> Lars just, he said, Lars opened our, our wedding champagne and drank it at like two in the morning. They had nothing else to drink. He's like, they, he fucking drank our wedding champagne. He goes, he's eating the top of the cake. We, we were saving for our one year anniversary. Come on, man. Yeah, he's uh <laughs> So he's like, they're slobs that are sleeping on the floor and they're drunk. So he goes, can you at least take them out for a few hours? So I, I borrowed my mom's car and I took them to a mall with Mustaine. So Holy I took a, James, Mustaine, Lars, and um, and Kirk to a mall, and I just walked around with them. What for, are they for, like? What are they? Are they? They're kids, right? They're they were like, kids, but they said, "Hey, can you can you stay with Dave?" Because he was drunk at the time. Yeah, like that day, he's like, "Just stay with him." So they, I kind of wandered with him, and they just walked around. We walked around for a few hours, and then my girlfriend, my first girlfriend, worked at Burger King right around the corner. I took him there, and she's like, oh, "What do you bring? Who are these people you're bringing in? They're all dirty and smelly. They reek of liquor." Yeah. So we sat there for. A a couple of hours and hung out and then they ju- they were just hanging out in the town they were at the strip club the little shitty strip club so i'd go in there i could sneak in with an id i'd be hanging with them and stuff wait how i'm just trying to like you said something that just really brought back so many m- moments of nostalgia of like great feelings how much fun was it just to sit in a fast food restaurant and smoke cigarettes 
and just talk with your buddies, all your deadbeat friends that are all wearing flannels and Doc Martens. I mean, at least ours, because we all tried to dress like like Eddie Vedder. But it was just sitting at that Wendy's at the Germantown Commons was my favorite thing in the fucking world. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you could. I guess you could have smoked in the Burger King, but I just Come remember on. it was the you're talking probably the, yeah, yeah for yeah. sure you could. Yeah, I'm sure you could. And I was smoking cigarettes in at Jersey? that time in Jersey. Yeah, yeah, and Did I was smoking you, cigarettes <laughs> at that time. Maybe maybe my girlfriend didn't like that I smoked, so maybe I wasn't doing it when she was you, you know could working. Smoke in a hospital in New Jersey That's up until true. a year ago. That's true. You know what? I only <laughs> you know what because I only smoked at night when I drank. I didn't. I was yeah. never a day smoker. I just needed a cigarette, so maybe I don't, maybe I wasn't, but I just, just but they were all in the, like the new wave of British heavy metal, yeah. which I was into, like Iron Maiden, early Def Leppard, Motorhead, Tank, Raven. So we just talk about that shit for hours, and it's easy, just like you guys just hit it off. Yeah, and I didn't know they were going to be anything. Nobody knew anything. They just had five songs on a cassette. But you knew that, they, that those five songs were special, though, right? I thought yeah. so. I was like, holy shit! I never heard anything like it. It was so fast and heavy. And then it cut to a couple of weeks later, Mustaine's out of the band. You know, they sent him on a bus back to California. And then they got cur- And then they started doing some local shows around. They played like a roller skating rink. I saw him at like a little bar. I saw him probably like four or five times before Kill 'em All, or maybe Kill 'em All was just released or right before it was released. So let's talk about let's talk about how they got to becoming one of the biggest bands. I mean, right now, I would still say Metallica top 10 biggest grossing bands on the road, you know, when they, they do stadiums for sure. Like, so what was it like when kill em all came out? Like, you know, to really be there in the thick of it, listening to music, your age, what was it like? And it was amazing. Like there was nothing else like it, but especially that album and stuff. And, you know, then they started, they were on the road constantly. So I didn't see them as much. They did this whole tour with Raven at the time, all for one, one for all. So, um, you know, it didn't explode that record at all. You know, it wasn't like this mainstream record. No, it was on no, radio. What radio didn't even play Metallica until until um, the Black album came out. They never played them. They thought it was, they were thought it was too heavy because I was doing. I was on radio for a little while too. Like no one ever played Metallica. Well, every song was like six, seven minutes long. Was way past like the three minute pop single that they're trying to put out. They yeah, would cut, they would have to cut down Master of Puppets. But I mean, if you think about what's on Kill 'Em All. What Search and Destroy is a is a is a catchy single. I mean, yeah. for rock. Um, what's the other big song off of that? Um, we'll hit the lights. No, there's another like. Uh, all I can hear is Justice for All. Justice is burnt. Justice is burnt too, not too real. Yeah, Jump in the Fires. I was listening to that yesterday at the gym, dude. It's unbelievable. Because I went back. I, I listened to this record, and then I started just going back just to see the evolution of it. Yeah. So, all right, so Kill 'Em All comes out. And uh, and do, does that blow them up? Would you say no? No, they're still playing clubs. They're opening for Raven. It was Raven was a pretty big band at the time. They must have been blowing Raven off the stage. Not though. really, because you know it was. Pro- I don't know. I mean, I remember going. It wasn't. I knew the Raven stuff. Raven had two albums out. I think they only had the one at the time. Maybe yeah. It was before. Um, I don't even know Raven. Right, the light. Yeah, real. Yeah, they had R- R- Rock Until You Drop was a great record. And the second one was Wiped Out. Oh, I love these titles. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Rock Until You Drop. Yeah. Rock until you drop. Is that close at all? No, but that's because then Def Leppard on Pyromania, their first song was Rock, Rock Till You Drop. I'm like, you stole that from Raven. Fuck yeah, dude. Some little band that never made it in I'm, England. I'm Team Raven, dude. Yeah. So, right. so then the next record is so they're so they're they're touring nonstop. They're opening for Raven, and, and then the next record is 
Master of Puppets? No, Master was uh, Ride the Lightning. Ride the Lightning second. Yes. Oh, you're right. Okay, so then, so that because I remember listening to Ride the Lightning, Brad Bliven. Brad Bliven is who ex- exposed me to Metallica. He was the heavy metal guy. Um, it, before the Black Album came out, I remember he got Injustice for All and he had Ride the Lightning. So I think I heard him in those order. Like, Injustice for All first, then I went back, heard Ride the Lightning. I had my parents buy me that. So what was it like after seeing, now you've heard the mixtape. You go from the mixtape to Kill Em All into Ride the Lightning. Like, what what do you remember from that time that was coming out? Well, I just remember, well, oh, one second. I right. just remember people, the Metallica fans were very mad because they thought Metallica sold out when Ride the Lightning came out from, from Kill Em All because of um, um, Fade to Black. They that's thought that the, was a that's ballad. The, that's the, yeah, that is like a very close, that's, that's a Metallica ballad for sure. Right. And they were like, you got to be kidding me. Why would you slow down? They were miserable. Like the, the Metallica fans that like kill them all. They were in, in, all up in arms. Really? That, just how, how could you put it like a, a, a love song on there? Or what was it? A well love song, but just that it was a slow song. They couldn't believe they slowed it up for that. So they got a lot of flack for that song. Meanwhile, it's one of their best songs. Yeah. Yeah. That makes no sense. So, but by, by, by Ray the Lightning, they're extended into. Like, they're not doing arenas yet. They're still just playing clubs. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe, probably a thousand seats. Maybe they're doing, but they're not. The you know, they didn't even do arenas during Master of Puppets because they opened for Ozzy on the Master of Puppets tour. But so then they go from that into into Master of Puppets. Right? So yeah, so then after Ride the Lightnings, you know, the, everyone knows this band's going to be used. They're on little, they're on this little Megaforce Records out of Oldbridge, New Jersey. And then the guy John Z, who's famous in the business for starting Metallica and Anthrax and those guys, he wind up. They work out a deal with uh, Electra Records, so Electra takes over Metallica. Okay, so, then, so he sends, signs on the back catalog and then he gets a piece of Master of Puppets and whatever. So he worked out a deal because they were ready to go to a, a major label. Master of Puppets is probably their most complete record. Oh, it's uh, their it, best it, record. It, pound it, for pound, that's... it's. Pa- it's it's if you're gonna start a Metallica fan, you start them with that record, then I would go to the black record. I always do that with bands. Like I'm like, I would start them with Master of Puppets first. Yeah, were you over over Kill 'em All and Ride the Lightning? Yeah, because to Kill 'em All is too much. You know, Marina Franklin, she's a comic yeah. friend of ours. She wanted to get into metal. And I said, Start with Master of Puppets. I started with that one. And she goes, What's the next one? And then I put her to Black Album. Then I put her to Ride the Lightning. But I didn't want to start it with Kill 'em All. She'd be like, No, no, this isn't for me. Yeah. So you start them with that one. So but so Electra Records takes over for Master of Puppets because they're ready to to burst. They're ready to be a huge band. Yeah. And they need more promotion and the record store. You know, Electra's going to get their album right as soon as you walk in, all that stuff. So so they, so Master so Master of Puppets comes out. By this point now, they have the the steam train of a, of a big record company behind them pushing them. Did you remember that record just suddenly blowing up? Was that the record? Was that the moment that took them from being an arena not an arena but a club band to suddenly being an arena are they still just clubs well I mean, no they weren't clubs but they were they opened on Ozzy the Ozzy tour when Master Puppets came out they were still opening for Ozzy at that point I think later on maybe a year into Master Puppets see the thing was it got no radio airplay and it got there was no videos from anything off of Master Puppets yeah. either at the time so they weren't got they were still kind of underground even though everybody loved them 
you know, you needed that. This was 1985 when that came out. So, you know, MTV was huge at that point. If you had a video on there, that's what blew up Def Leppard and all those bands. You yeah. had a video on there. Metallica refused to do any videos. They weren't wearing makeup. They weren't wearing spandex. You know, they were totally against that. So they if they would have, you know, wrote a more commercial song and put it on, they probably would have been doing arenas earlier. Well, wouldn't their most commercial song be then on And Justice for All, which would be one? That was the first video Metallica ever did. They refused to do videos. With Jason Robards. He's right. in it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they didn't want to do any videos. Like, no. And then I bet eventually they go, okay, we'll do this. And it was such a dark video. They're like, all right, we'll do it. If we're going to do a video, we're going to make it really dark. Oh, it's dark as fuck, dude. Yeah, the man, guy that, with the bag on his face. Like, yeah. I can't feel anything. I know. Which that, was, is, that was me at the sleep study last yeah, night. Right. <laughs> Just like, ah, get this shit off me. So, so, then, so then by Injustice for All, because if it reached me, this, this, this kid in Germantown, Maryland that didn't have MTV yet, you know, they're not really playing them on the radio. Like, I'm wondering, like, they must have been all over the fucking, like, the Hit Parader and what was the other? Kerrang! Magazine. Yeah. Cream like, Magazine. All of those magazines. I, I started seeing them a lot. So, Injustice for All, because what I'm trying to figure out is how did they go from being this respected thrash metal band, which everybody's saying they've got it, to suddenly, I remember... When this record, the black record, came out, came out on the same day as Use Your Illusion, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, really? I'm almost positive. Because I know, I know, Ozzy, um, No More Tears came out the same day as Use Your Illusion one and two. Two, I remember because in New York City, uh, Guns N' Roses, everyone was lining up at um, Tower Records for the Guns N' Roses thing to come out at midnight, and Ozzy was doing a um, a record store appearance the same day. I am so. I think on the same day, here you go. So this is, we're getting this uh, in 1991 during a period of only, okay, let me rephrase. It's in a period of only six weeks, five records came out. Metallica's Black Record, Pearl Jam's 10, Guns N' Roses' Use Your Illusion, Nirvana's Nevermind, and Red Hot Chili Peppers' Blood Sugar Sex Magic. Those two records, the last two were both released on the same day. Wow. I just remember, I remember, um, my, my, you know, I didn't have any money. I was a kid, you know, of course, when the black record came out and my parents were like, all right, well, we'll buy you an album. What do you want? And it was like, so I had a choice between use your illusion one or two or the black record. And I chose, I think the one with you could be mine on it. Use your illusion. Right. Two. Um, and Brad had the black record. So I would just go over to his house and listen to it. Um, what was the reaction because I, to me, it's just the black record. It's like, you know, enter Sandman, sad, but true. Wherever you may roam, the unforgiven, uh, nothing else, uh, nothing else matters. Yeah. It's like, those are incredible songs. I wouldn't call them thrash at all. I mean, what, what was it like being a little bit older and being in the scene of music and suddenly the black record comes out? What do you remember? Take me through that. Well, so. You know, Cliff Burton died in the bus accident during yeah. the Master Puppets tour, and Jason Newstead comes in the band. Then they do Injustice for All, and that's when they started doing arenas. They might have been doing them later on the Master of Puppets tour, but they're definitely in arenas by Injustice for All, but they take the bass off the record, so it's real muddy sounding, Injustice yeah. for All. I love the sound of that record. I love that record a lot, but it was definitely because Lars and, and James uh, produced it. Okay. They didn't want they didn't want a producer anymore. Like, we could do it ourselves, so they take the bass off pretty much. And then, you know, 
um, it's a big change. Now they, all of a sudden they go to Bob Rock as a producer and Bob just came off the Motley Crue um, uh, Dr. Feelgood record, which was a huge hit for Motley. He had a pass with Loverboy, Bon Jovi, all that stuff. So, so he's the go-to producer. He's the guy right Lars now. supposedly liked the way the Motley Crue, Dr. Feelgood record sound. It's a great sound. record, dude. And I it mean, brought Motley, back, Motley Crue back from the dead. They were pretty much, they were dead at that point. Were they? What yeah, was the record because, before? Home Sweet Home or Girls, Girls? No, it was Home Sweet Home, right? Uh, no, no it, Theater of Pain was three. Girls, Girls, Girls was four. But they were just, they were a mess at that point. Yeah. And then they got clean and sober to do Dr. Feelgood. Because, you know, you had Wild Side and Girls, Girls, Girls. The rest of that album was pretty much was shit. crap, yeah. You know, and even Theater of Pain wasn't that good. I mean, Home Sweet Home was on there. Smoking in the Boys Room was kind of lame. Lame. So they were really, like, struggling. But they got clean, sober, and they did that record. And, and Lars liked the sound of Dr. Feelgood by Bob Rock. It's a great, so- great record, great song. Speaking of which, Tommy... So I've talked about this a million times on the podcast. So my ex-girlfriend fiance is married to Tommy Lee now. I heard that. Yeah. And uh, she just started doing stand up comedy again. Yeah. And she reached out to me. She's like, Hey, I want to do the jam. And I'm like, I'm like, all right. And then she's like, Tommy will play drums with me. And I'm like, absolutely. Okay. (laughs) So she's like, by the time this airs, I think it will already happen. But so it's going to be her singing, Tommy playing drums, John, Johnny five, John five, John five. That's in Molly crew now. Yeah. And possibly Nikki. Wow. They're going to, and then, and then I'll be like, why don't you just get Vince to come by? Right. Maybe we'll wheel mix old broken ass bones. and (laughs) We'll fucking prop him up, give him a guitar. And she's going to do like a pretender song or something like that. And okay. then, but then at the end, I'm going to have them all do home sweet home and we'll end the show. It'll be our anniversary show. That'd be amazing. I hope it happens. Yeah. I think it is. Cause she's already like Tommy's in John's in. We're just going to get Nikki. And I'm like, we, if we don't, we don't get Nikki, I don't give a fuck. Like, right. Right. You let's got- just make this happen. This yeah, is yeah. like, this is going to be good for all of us. Um, all right. So, so they get Bob rock. What else do you know? Take me there. They don't, Metallica fans were miserable when this album came out. Why? It's so good. They thought they completely sold out. It was almost like a guy. It's almost like, well, first of all, they hated when they cut their hair during the load record. They couldn't understand that. They were so mad at that, the Metallica fans. But this album was so commercial. And then all of a sudden they were on MTV doing videos and, you know, Enter Sandman, you know, Sad But True, Nothing Else Matters, all these videos. Like, you got to be kidding me. Complete. It was almost like a, a guy that lives in the city. And he has this great single life and then he meets some chick and he knocks her up and you got to move to the suburbs. Yeah. It was a fucking be- tough adjustment. Yeah. For the Metallica fans, like you got to be kid Bob Rock, he did Bon Jovi, he did Motley Crue and now he's doing Metallica. What were your thoughts? I wasn't crazy about it. Really? Yeah, I wasn't crazy about it because I was more of a, you know, inju- have to come from Injustice for All, how heavy that fucking album was. It's fucking, do Black End. Dude, I was at the gym fucking yesterday just fucking, yeah, throwing weight around. Uh, and Justice for All is fucking great. I mean, oh, the whole album's the great. The whole album's amazing. Every, you know, this is a true story. I have three DUIs, uh, not proud of them. Every DUI I got, I was listening to Metallica. Really? Either when I crashed the car or when I got arrested. You got a hat trick. Every, that, I know. I went yeah. for it. I went Gretzky. I, went, <laughs> I was great. like, I'm doing it, dude. My parents were so proud. They were like, we, nobody said you could get three, but you did it. No, it's just something about listening to Metallica that in, regardless of your, what kind of car you're in, even if you're in a 92 Honda Civic hatchback, you're going to push it. Because it's just, it's such good 
you know, it, 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 it's it, it literally punches you in the face, and you're like, gonna lift more weights. You're gonna your your workout's gonna be better with that on. You put battery on. You're telling me you're not gonna lift more. Uh, you're you, not gonna bench more. You it, are. Metallica is is one of those bands that you know, and I see it. I understand why the fans turned on this record because it, it's it would be like Anthrax, like who's just all thrash, and then suddenly doing like you know a pop album it just doesn't make sense it's like when you're when your music is so like ga, 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 and then you slow it down or you change it and you start seeing you know a lot of people experience that where it's like where it's like i got into the band early and now they suck because everybody else loves them and everybody is like they're my thing that was and, a big thing with metallica sure, that yeah. was a huge thing and they also did it metallica was always like we don't need mtv we don't need radio airplay we're not any and then all of a sudden the black album comes out and it's mtv videos radio airplay now metallica they can't stop playing metallica on the radio now they're going back every radio station is going back and playing old stuff of Metallica. They're going to Master of Puppets. They're going to Ride the Lightning, Kill Them All, you know, Justice for All. All of a sudden, mandatory Metallica every eight o'clock every night on every rock station. So all of a sudden, they were cool to play, and then they started playing their back history from the Black Album. And so, and so, when did you start getting into this record? How did you suddenly go from being the thrash, the heavy shit is good, to, you know, would you consider this, I don't want to... Would you consider this your favorite? No, not Metallica even record? close. Not no, even maybe close. fourth. So give me your order. Master of Puppets got to be number one. Number no one. question. Sure. Um, Ride the Lightning 2. Okay. Injustice for All 3. Fuck yeah. Kill Them All 4. And this is five. And this is five. This is five. Where do you put <laughs> load and reload? Well, I'll tell you. Well, then I'll tell you, man. Um load and reload it should have just been one album if it was one album it would have been a great record you know what song's great off of load bleeding me that's great i love that eight song, minutes dude. and eight, eight oh. minutes and 18 seconds oh i love that fucking song dude he it's what's so funny is that like he's got a good voice he really does have a good voice and i mean kurt hammett's guitar is is fucking phenomenal it's like finger like he's one of the best at doing that Lars Lars is drumming throughout all of those first records. I mean, it's great double pedal. Uh, like he's really him and whether it's Cliff or Jason is really adding that thump that you need. But when, you know, he really started singing on this record where it's like he's, you know, Nothing Else Matters is a fucking beautiful ballad. Yeah. That's been covered by Miley Cyrus and, and people like that. It's a great song. There's a really funny uh, Instagram video that this guy made of him. Like it's, it's a, uh, it's uh it's an impersonation of, um, of uh, God, the least, I can't think of the lead singer's name. Yeah, James Th- Hatfield. Thank you. Jesus Christ. It's, it's James sitting on the couch with his guitar, like fucking around. He's just like, God, ah, man, he's suddenly, he just, cause it's just that nothing else matters is literally like four open, like just boom, 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 boom. And he's just like, Bleh. and then he hits it and he's like, Wait a second. <laughs> and he figures it out. Like, it's so easy. Um, but yeah, it's like him finally singing. It's almost like, uh, you know, when Anthony Kiedis started singing more once he started working with uh, Rick Rubin. Yeah. And and it's like a lot of people, he went from being this, skip up a dip, but we, he still does that. But he started really like using his voice. Um, but it, it's, there's, there's something about, you know, the the difference in in all of these records in that band making that change that a lot of people just just can't accept even though they're I think they're, they possibly 
went in a much stronger direction. If they just would have kept playing thrash, I don't know if they we'd be talking about them right now. Well, that was the thing. Like, you know, Slayer, you know, every album pretty much sounds the same. They've never changed their sound, which Slayer fans love. And yeah. I got no problem with it either. So they, everyone looked at Slayer and even like Megadeth, everything. So all of a sudden Metallica takes a right turn. They're like, wait a minute, you're the, the big four of thrash and this is what you do. You put like a hard rock album out. You know, you're supposed to be playing as fast as possible. So Slayer, then that's when Pantera came around. You know, um, even Rex Brown from Pantera was saying, we saw what Metallica was doing with the Black Album and uh, all the fans turned and they wanted it heavier. And that's when we got heavier. That's when they started putting their super heavy shit out after Cowboys from Hell. Like we saw a gap where there's an audience out there that wants super fucking heavy shit. So Metallica, I mean, Pantera pretty much took that spot from Metallica, but then Metallica got all these new fans. Yeah. And plus playing, getting them played on the radio and playing their back catalog. So they lost some that were annoyed, but then they gained way more fans. Way more. There's that famous, uh, I think it's from the Behind the Music where Jason Newsett says, yeah, we sold out. We sold out uh, uh, arenas and stadiums all around the world. Yeah. Hey there, I am Johnny Christ from Avenged Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to actors, comedians, fighters, musicians, everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks with Johnny, streaming everywhere now. Well, hey, friends, my name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalist. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. Um, Because that's the difference. It's like, do you, do you stay true to what, you know, if you're artists... You know, you start here. Like, look at the Beatles. Like, the Beatles are just such a perfect example of it where it's like they started with She Loves You and then it grows and next thing they're doing folk and they're changing with the times and then they start doing psychedelic and then they end with the long and winding road and it's just a complete and utter just change from where they are because that's what artists do. They grow. Um, do you think that this, that the Black Album was the band just uh, growing as artists or that they were trying to break into the mainstream? trying to break in their mainstream really you think yeah so? i think at that point I, but metallica's always like took their motto from like uh from black sabbath where sabbath all the albums were different they experimented a lot yeah they did they always did and zeppelin was the same way every zeppelin album sounds different they're always experimenting so they metallica was like no we want to put a put a ballad on the second record i don't care we're not going to sound the same constantly other bands to play it off and do it well acdc every every album sounds the same slayer motorhead but you know metallica's like no we 
we want to be different on each album. So they, they were always taking chances and they were always annoying their fans, the hardcore. Like I said, when the load and reload, when they go cut their hair, so many fans, I'm not listening, they cut their hair. Like, so what? Who gives a fuck? Their I go, hair, I go, they all had hair, horrible haircuts. I know. I said, so when you go to court one day, when you get in trouble, you're going to fuck cut your hair too. <laughs> Are you a sellout or you just want to get probation? Yeah. Stop. I, I, I think they look 10 times. You can still be... I said that to Chris Porter once. Uh, you know Chris, the comedian? Yeah, yeah, I said yeah. he, he used to keep his long hair and wear bell bottoms. Like, bro, you can still be rock and roll and not have to have your hair long. Like, yeah. Because I had cut my hair, and he was just like, oh, yeah, I guess you're right. Hair doesn't mean you're rock. The music and your attitude, it's, 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 there's still, like, there's still moments on this record that are, are fucking heavy. It's a great album. You know what I mean? This is, and I, I, listen, I'm not saying it's my favorite one, but it's definitely the easiest one to listen to out of all those other records. Yeah, like, I mean, it's the greatest hits album. You know, the, this is the first album, though, that I think Metallica, every every song up to the Black Album, was there was not one clunker of a song from me, Metallica. Every song was great from beginning to end on every record, those first four. And this one, there was a couple of clunkers. A couple ones that were like, ah. So that's when I, I felt like, yeah, they just, they might have pushed it a little bit. Even though there's five friggin' hit singles on here, stadium songs. So, so I think if we're going to, if we're diving into the record, I think this is a very, if side one is way better than side two. I mean, this is like, like, let me pull up the track. Well, I, I always loved the sequence of tracks. I was a big guy. I loved, like, listening so to an I. album or a, or, or a CD or whatever. And I loved the order because it's really important to a record. It really is. And it's weird because, you know, the first four records, they started off with a super heavy song. Hit the lights, blackened, you know, a battery, fight fire, wood fire. And then they open up with Enter Sandman. Well, Enter Sandman, it's a very good question that, that, uh, that I, Enter Sandman is the song that bridged the heavy metal sound towards the pop audience. Um, are there any other songs from that era that you would say had a similar effect? I mean, that was when grunge started taking over. So not so much from the heavy hard rock world or yeah, metal I don't, world. I don't think there's ever been a song that, that merged heavy metal, like heavy metal and pop in such yeah. a perfect way. I mean, this when might they, be, this might be the top song to do that. Probably. Yeah. And this is when, you know, all of a sudden the stadiums, uh, you know, sporting events started playing a song, which like, what the fuck? And then, you know, Mariano Rivera, the closer for the Yankees is coming out to the song every time that yeah. was his song, yeah. which was crazy. Meanwhile, he had no idea that he wasn't a Metallica fan or anything. Someone just played it one time. He goes, yeah, just keep playing that song. Really? Yeah, he's like Latin dude that's not into heavy metal at all. He had no Senor idea. Prez, little one. Yeah. That's a terrible <laughs> accent. So how many times have you seen Metallica live? 25. 25? Yeah. Throughout every tour, pretty much? Not every tour, but pretty much. I saw him last year at a stadium in Pittsburgh. They only did two stadium shows. So I flew to Pittsburgh to see him. They were phenomenal. I mean, to this, like I saw him in the clubs back in the day at a roller skating rink. I saw him open for Twisted Sister before they were, you know, big. And then I see him in a stadium. I'm like, they still, they're better than they were 40 years ago whenever they started. Better as a band. more Unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, James has got the fucking 60,000 people in the palm of his hand. I've never seen anything like it. Nobody can follow that band. Not no. one rock or heavy metal band can follow them. Yeah, they're the closer, for sure. I saw them, um, and I hate to say it for the first time, we did, we did Outside Lands together, so in San Francisco. This is 2018. And I mean, it was 2017, 2018, I think it was 2017. And it, and it was just like, 
like the whole show. I mean, just like the lights, you know, they, when they're doing, uh, they're doing one, there's like, yeah, like guns shooting and it's just, it's insane. Just like, but seeing how many people that aren't, didn't seem like Metallica fans still being there, being like knowing the words to the songs. I mean, there's no way we get to that if they don't put out this record. Well, you know, what's crazy is when I saw them uh, last year at the stadium in Pittsburgh, they closed with the song Master of Puppets, which they never would. But because of that Stranger Things show on Netflix got it so big that they close with that now. Really? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's the same shit that happened with Kate Bush. Like Kate Bush uh, running up the hill. I think that's what it's called. You know, I vote on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame every year. And I was talking to a buddy. He goes, she's going to get it this year. Like she's been in the, the the running for the last few years, but didn't get it. But because of Stranger Things, and it basically revived her career. Right. Not revived. I don't want to say revived. Just they definitely put her out into the stratosphere again. So people are like, oh, shit. And so they vote on her. If she wasn't going to get it this year, she was never going to get it. But who would have thought that, you know, with everyone's short attention spans and everything like that, all of a sudden, almost a nine-minute song from 1985 is, you know, all these young kids are into Master of Puppets, which is crazy. Well, do you, I mean, when you go to these concerts, do you see a lot of younger generational kids there? Like- well, a lot of the dads bring them. I, like, I've been bringing my kid. He's been to like 20 shows. He's 12. He's been going since he was five. So he's seen, he's seen Metallica 20 times. No, he, has, has he, he hasn't seen Metallica yet, though. Oh, wow. No, he has not seen him. That's fucking That's awesome, one he hasn't man. seen, but I always bring him to shows. But now, but what I saw was a lot younger kid. Well, Greta Van Fleet was opening for him. Yeah. So Greta's got this young audience now, which is good because at first it was just a bunch of old dudes. Yeah. You know, going and that, you know, oh, they sound like Led Zeppelin. Let's let's go see him. But now you got a younger generation. You got girls and they're almost like a jam band. They have like eight or nine minute songs now, too. And you see these 17 year old girls in the Greta Van Fleet. I know it because they're good looking probably, but still they know all the words. I'm like, that's pretty fucking cool for rock. Sure. So it was a lot of young people at that show with Greta Van Fleet I, 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 and Metallica. I was, I was doing um, Comics Roadhouse in um, at the casino. In Connecticut, yeah. In Connecticut. And in the amphitheater that they have there, or the theater, uh, they had Greta Van Fleet was headlining. And I mean, that was the first night I was there. And I mean, it, it, it was so funny to see how many girls and guys... It's a, that normally would never dress in that like hippie flowy. They're all trying to dress like the band that yep. they're going to see. And I, I, it made me think of a joke. I was like, I was like, this, that's like going to see a live band is when like regular people get to like live out their fantasy of like, I know like tonight, like I'm going to see, I'm going to see Rammstein. So I'm going <laughs> to wear leather and a dildo yeah. on my head. And he's just like, but you're an accountant. Like, like this is, and there were so many girls there with like the flowy hippie dresses. And um, yeah, I mean, Metallica, that's the one thing about Metallica fans is it's like they're, it's black t-shirt, jeans, maybe some chucks. Exactly what I have on exactly right now. Exactly what you have <laughs> that's, that's the way I dress. I've been dressing for years. I, know, I haven't changed. I'm still dressed like a Soundgarden roadie. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I love that. Um, so, so what interactions have you had with the band? Because you've, you've gotten to know them, right? Over the years? A little, yeah. I mean, a little bit. When I asked Lars, who remembers me, you know, driving him around, he's like, no, of course he's not going to remember it. I didn't mind. But, um, I opened for them. They did this Orion Fest down in Atlantic City in like 2016 or 17, maybe. Somewhere around there, or I don't know, maybe 2000. And I opened for them. There was like three different stages. So they had a comedy stage. 
And they were going around introducing all the acts. So Lars introduced me on stage. Him and James watched from the side, which I was super nervous. Oh, man. So tech and Metallica played that night. So I'm like, well, technically I opened for Metallica. I could say that, which I was on the bill. I just wasn't yeah. on the main stage, but there was like three. But I saw them do the, so they did two nights there. And the first night they did Ride the Lightning from beginning to end album. And the second night they did the Black album from beginning to end, which they only, I don't think they've done it in the United States. They did some shows over in Europe doing it, but they did it from the last track to the first track. Oh, so they went backwards. They went backwards because they didn't want to open with Enter Sandman and Blow then all load, the hits yeah. are all the hits are up top in yeah. the first oh. five or six songs. Yeah. So they went from track 12, you know, which is the struggle within and then and then went their way back. You know, and that, it, speaking of this, it's it's really is like Enter Sandman into Sad But True, Holier Than Thou, The Unforgiven. See, I know what they're trying room. to do with this sequence. They're trying to, Holier Than Thou at, at track three. They're trying to squeeze that one. It was like three minutes and 46 seconds. So that could have been a radio thing. Yeah. They were trying to get that a hit. So they sandwich it between Sad But True and The Unforgiving going, all right, people are going to have to listen to this to get to the next song. Yeah. So that's why I know a lot of bands will do that. But what about like Don't Tread On Me? Is Don't Tread On Me the one with I It's Yeah. I don't understand why they would do that. Wherever I May Roam is great. Yeah. So it goes, you know, Holding Them Now is track three, then The Unforgiven, then Wherever I May Roam. I mean, you got four... Well, then you got then Don't Tread on Me is track six, Through to Never, track seven, then Nothing Else Matters, track eight. Do you think <clears throat> this album is one, it really should be one, two, three, four, five, maybe, maybe eight, maybe three more songs? Do you feel like there's a little bit of filler on this? Yeah, I do. I think that, you know, that was the time, well, not. When CDs came out, every band had us all of a sudden start putting 15 or 16 songs on yeah. and only seven of them were good because they needed to put more because they were justifying why they were charging way more for a CD in an album, which is annoying. Just give me your best fucking 10 songs, 11 songs. Those classic records from the 70s and 80s to Van Halen or, you know, early and the, the Stones and all that. They were like 33, 36 minutes, 10 songs fucking beginning to end. That's Easy. all I need. Yeah. So they, you know, they put 12 on here. It's over. It's it's over an hour. It's yeah, an hour six, and three minutes, which was yeah. a long album at the time. 63 minutes was a long album. Yeah. But then again, their songs are long. So um, do you do you um, so do you, do you think that they could have cut some of this? They, yeah. But Metallica, it's the same thing with Load and Reload. You know, they got every band thought that every song they wrote was amazing. So they had to put two records out, a double album. All those bands did it at the time. Then the Chili Peppers did it. Uh, Smashing Pumpkins did it. Guns oh, yeah. N' Roses did it. And all those albums should have been just been one one album. Oh, for sure. So I, and, you know, you didn't need to put Load and then Reload six months later with some filler songs. One, what they would have just done that one album. It would have been pr- pretty close to what the Black album was. Not as far as hits, but it would have been it would have been solid. Do you think? Do you think? How do you feel like Metallica has gone after this record? Like, I mean, what are the, let me see if we have some of the albums that I can name. So you got Jason for what? Jason is done after Reload. And then Death Magnetic, Hardwired to self No, you, well, you got, no, you got, um, Saint a- Anger. After, you got St. Anger first. So St. Anger, uh, Death Magnetic, Hardwired to Self-Destruct, and then the new record, 72 Seasons, which I still have to listen to. Um, do you feel that after this record they've gotten better or it's kind of taken more of a, has anything lived up to like 
master of puppets. I'll tell you, you, the one record in the whole catalog that's so underrated, I don't know why people don't like it more, is Death Magnetic. Rick Rubin produced it. I love that record. You know, it took five years. People were really mad at St. Anger because of the sound once again. I, I liked I, I liked it too. Believe so me, I, I've almost had fistfights over this record. People get so <laughs> mad because there's no, you know, Kirk doesn't have any guitar solos on it. He was annoyed. They did the, you know, some kind of monster movie at the same time. And the production's really muddy. And Lars's cymbal sounds like weird. But I, you know, I like it. I mean, is it a classic? No, but I'd give it a seven on a scale of one to yeah, ten. Yeah, dude, frantic seven. alone. Frantic fucking is rules. phenomenal. Saint Anger Saint, rules. Some yeah. kind of monster. The song is yeah, great. Yeah, I don't get why people hated it. It's it's so they it, couldn't get past that sound. That Lars, the friggin' that that snare. Bang. Yeah, it's they like, couldn't it's, get rid of that. They, and and they just bailed on that record. Yeah, I remember when that came out and people were really they were so mad. Yeah, it makes But no then sense. they did that Sympathy Orchestra record in between somewhere, the S&M record, somewhere around there. But it was five five years between St. Anger and Death Magnetic. I, I love that record. And then I like it better than Hardwired. Hardwired's got some great songs on it, but then Hardwired's got some songs that are like filler, I think. Yeah. And the new one is good. It's solid. It's definitely a grower. The new one doesn't hit you right over the head right off the bat, but it, it's solid. It's heavy. Um, but I really, Death Magnetic really sticks out for me for being an underrated record in the Metallica catalog. Yeah, I gotta listen, I gotta re-listen to Death Magnetic Hardwired in 72. St. Anger, I listened to a million times. Yeah, St. Anger is great, but you know, just look, there's some great deep tracks on, 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 um, the Black Album. I love My Friend of Misery. It's a phenomenal song. Yeah. You know, The God That Failed, James wrote that about his mom. You know, he with this Christian upbringing. She had cancer, and she didn't believe in medic, you know, any medicine or any chemo. Yeah, she, you know, said no. What God's gonna do? What is God's gonna do? So, you know, that's the title of it. My, you know, the God that failed, which is a pretty emotional song. But, um, you know, some deep cuts on here. But there's a couple of filler ones that I wasn't crazy about. But overall, look, it's it's their album that put them in stadiums, basically the the black album. Now, I listen, listen, I'll I'll, I'll say this. It, it's it's a great record. The one the hits on this are fucking phenomenal. Like I love The Unforgiven. Yeah, I mean, as I soon love as love that song. Every time they play those songs like at a, at a you know in an um in a stadium. In a stadium, as soon as they hit the first chord. It's almost like, you know, we both saw Rage Against the Machine at the Garden or something. As soon as they play that first chord, the place goes ballistic. Everybody knows. They don't even have to introduce the song. And that's what those five hits on, on the Black Album is like. Yeah. What, um, you know, if you're ranking the, the four big thrash metal bands that we mentioned earlier, Metallica, Anthrax, Slayer, Megadeth, uh... Do you think, well, one, out of those four, how would you rank them? Metallica, number one. Anthrax, number two. Megadeth, three. Slayer, four. Are you a Megadeth fan? Uh, Not as much as Metallica. I like some of their stuff. I do, but I'm not a huge fan. I can't get past his voice, man. I just, thank you. How you doing? (laughs) I can't take it, dude. Um, well, that's why I put him third. Slayer, I was, you know, I always respected and I saw him a bunch of times live and, and stuff like that, but I wasn't a, a huge fan, like a crazy fan every record. I went to, then they were playing their last shows, the the tour in LA. I saw their second to last show ever. Um, and I went by myself and I, I don't really know Slayer like that. Like I know a few of their records, like, you know, but I'm not like a huge fan. I just wanted to go just to be a part of history and I spent more time just walking around the uh, the arena 
it was at the forum and I mean just people watching. Oh, it's great. I mean I don't think there's there's like at a at a heavy metal festival, whether it's an Iron Maiden show or if you get like I wish I could have gone to the big four to see these those four guys play. Um but just to watch the level of like just like the like my favorite are the the uh, the Mexican metal guys like they rule they have the mustache that you had back in, yep. in when you were seventeen yep. you know what I mean yeah, yeah. It, it's it was it's just such good people watching I guess dude I, would, I went on tour with Slayer Megadeth and Anthrax what was that like I did a month tour in arenas it was fuck it was insane. How so? It was horrible. <laughs> How so? Well, I mean, because I was just, you know, lucky I was on that metal show at the time. So most of the crowd, when I walked out, knew who I was. I had to do three five-minute sets between each band. I was working for Jägermeister. So Jägermeister was sponsoring the tour. Yeah. So, to, you know, so I do three five-minute sets. And the first one before Anthrax went on at like 7 o'clock, I go on at 6. was great. The venue had like 2,000 people in it. It was almost like doing a comedy club. Sure. The second set... I have to go on right before Megadeth. Now it's an hour later, an hour and 15. Now to get, you know, the place is pretty much full. You can see They're some talking. fucking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I go back out. I, I survived that one. And But then by the time Slayer came on, like, all right, enough, dude. We don't care. We don't want to hear shit. We don't want to hear shit. I know I, that's that's the thing, like, when, it, when it, with what I'm doing with the Jelly Roll tour, it's like, at least I have the band. I have the band and because I've thought about that. So there's going to be some shows that they're like, I'm going to walk off be like, that's the greatest audience in the history of the world. And there's going to be some shows where it's like, wow, it's rough tonight. And, uh, but at least I have that band because at any moment I could break from my stand up and go like, play fucking like just play zombie by the cranberries and I'll just sing that. And it's, it's rough. Do you find it like, is that the hardest audience to perform in front of? Yeah. When you're doing arenas. Absolutely. And I, cause I wanted to challenge myself. Plus it was good money. And I'm like, all right, I could get exposure. I'm playing in front of, you know, 10 to 15,000 people a night, Yeah, which would be great. That metal show was on the air. It was big. So um, but then when I got on the tour, I'm like, what am I doing? Why am I doing that? Why am I torturing myself? Cause it was tough. Cause I had to do basically like the same, you know, if I did 15 minutes, I'll, I was just kissing the crowd's ass. I'm like, are we have any hip hop fans in here? Boo. I'm like, good. That will kill 30 seconds. <laughs> I was just doing that cheerleader shit. If it was Slayer, Megadeth, and Anthrax are a big four, who's five? Is it Testament? Boo. How about Ant Overkill? Ah, you Exodus. Know, like, Exodus. Ah, come yeah. on. Wait a minute. Who was it? Te- well, you know, doing that shit and throwing some quick drugs and sex and drinking jokes. That's uh, I'm, I'm stealing all of this. Oh, you have to. You got to be a cheerleader. <laughs> you, 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 you don't even think about any of your comedian friends in the back of the room going, "What is he doing? Come on, stop kissing the audience ass. Get, give it up for the troops if you have to. Give one an M because that kills fifteen seconds." I would be like, "Fuck Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> yeah, Fuck Nancy. They're gonna love that." Yeah, dude. It depends what city you're in. Uh, you know? I'm doing all oh, red states, dude. Oh, okay, I yeah. am. I am gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna be like, "What is the fucking fucking Joe Biden over here? He ain't. His brain don't work. It's all mushy." Push and just, yeah, like if you stumble or something like that, be like, or if you stumble over a word, like, sorry, I feel like the president. They're yeah, gonna go crazy. Oh, they'll lose their shit. Yeah, dude. just do something like that. I I would love to have some of the experience that you've had. I'm very excited about this Jelly Roll tour, but to be able to play with some of the bands that I like, like who have you played with, or who have you been able to really work with that is just you know that 17 year old kid 
you know, back in, in, you know, in, in Jersey or yeah, Jersey. Jersey. Yeah. 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 You did say Fort Lauderdale at one point. Right? I lived down there for a few years. Yeah. Okay. So but yeah. like with that, that kid in Jersey, like, cause you have such a, uh, like a cool career in, in my eyes where I'm like, man, it's like, you got to do the metal show, which is just talking with your buddies about music, uh, which is the greatest thing. And to make some good bread off that is fucking phenomenal. And, and when people like when I remember when we were going through who to get for this, it was like, we're going to try to either get somebody in Metallica or you. And it's just because it's like you're so known as being one of the rock guys. So it's like, who have you been able to work with that? You're just like, Jesus Christ, man. Like, well, definitely myself. Metallica, you know, and I, you know, I was a big Sabbath Ozzy fan. And, um, you know, I got I do a show on Ozzy's Boneyard on Sirius XM that Ozzy, you know, basically it's his channel. I got picked from Sharon to do it. I know Ozzy a little bit. You know, I've, I've uh, gone to a bunch of shows, been backstage and all that stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, just that. And then the Metallica guys, seeing how big they are. Not that I hang out with them or anything like that, but I opened for them, you know, no. five years ago. <laughs> Lars introduced me on stage, which is fucking crazy. Then you get Lemmy from Motorhead. I love a huge Motorhead fan. So Lemmy, you know, um, you know, hung with him a bunch of different times and stuff like that. So no, it's been incredible. And I'm a big Slipknot fan. I'm friends with Corey Taylor. Oh, there's there's such a good live band. I just saw them for the first time. With oh, they're amazing. Jack. It's unbelievable. It, it really, you know what it is? It, it Slipknot took the perfect blend of this record and Master of Puppets. And they've made a whole career out of that because his voice is phenomenal. Like he's he is a he is a, a great singer and he's a great rock singer. He can go into that like into like yeah. like I don't think I think he might be the best well-rounded metal singer out there right now that's combining like you see what i'm saying like they're taking the best of metallica and the and this record and they've made a whole career out of that absolutely no i've been a slipknot fan since day one um and Corey's. i always tell Corey, he's never had an off day with his voice it's amazing Ever. all the screaming he does and the singing whether it was stone sour or solo stuff or slipknot never has a problem with his voice he goes yeah i'm just lucky i don't warm up it's just weird i don't you know he goes it's crazy that i just never and he and he could sing any song he could sing a pop song he could sing prince yeah. i've seen him do his solo shows where he just goes into tom petty or some you know goofy Fuck, fucking man. never gonna give it up to rick astley or some shit like that he could sing anything there's, at any time um, there's a. Uh... Dean on Dean's podcast, which everybody should check out. Let there be talk is that he had the guy from Buck Cherry on, and the guy from Buck Cherry is like, I listen, you know, who's got that like real yeah, Josh Todd, yeah, he's got that real screamy voice, and and he just put Dean just posted a clip about this where it's like where he's like saying, he's like, I listened to those first two records and, and he's like, I, I can't believe I sang like that. Like, I'm just doing everything wrong, and now it's like I do hours of warm up. We went to go see Corn, and opening for them was Evanescence and Amy. Uh, I'm friends with the the new bassist from Corn, uh, Rod Diaz, and and we're hanging out. And Amy walks out. And he goes and he goes. If you guys want to go talk to her, now's the time. Like she's never out here. He's like, I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, all she does is is alone. She sleeps and does warm ups because her voice is like perfect. Yeah. And 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 me as you know a, a comedian that that sings and does all the shit that I do. It's like, dude, I I have a fucking nodule on my vocal cord. It's like I have to only talk when I'm getting paid for it. And, and the whole day I'm alone. So I don't talk. I do warm ups three times a day. I drink a fucking nine of these, these big gallons of water just so I can try to get through it. So when you say something like Corey is just like, I don't even warm up. Right. And your voice sounds like that. Like to get James, 
probably to the place that he needs to be to do the arenas or the, the stadiums at this point. I mean, I bet you, like, he, he's got to put a lot of work into it. That's- I'm sure he does because there's no backup. You know, Robert will sing backup a little on some stuff, but barely. They don't have backup singers to fill in anything or like that, and they're pl- all playing live. There's no backing tracks or anything, so. Do you think do you think Metallica's sold out? No. You don't? No. Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers, all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. I mean, people thought with the Black Album, but overall, it's like, you, you want a long history. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, the Stones, if you look at Stones back in the 70s during the disco era, they, even Kiss did a disco song. You know, Dead Stones did Emotional Rescue. It's like, what the fuck is that? You know, and I Was Made for Loving You was a disco song. So you just try with the time. Sometimes it's a little embarrassing looking back. Some of the metal bands tried to do new metal when it started being big in the mid-90s. Like, come on, what are you doing with their sound? Some of the guys did that. But, um, you know, Lars said about... Um, System of Down, he was listening to a lot of System of Down before they did the St. Anger record. He's like, there's not a lot of solos. He goes, so this is kind of what's happening now with music. The system was really big at that time. So, um, but no, but I don't they think they make did. it, though. System huh? of Down didn't make it. They're not making records anymore. No, I know, but I'm saying at that time, right before St. Anger, he goes, I was listening to a lot of System of Down. No, I know, but... There was no solos, so... I, I know, so you don't... Sometimes you take a... Machine Head did, like, a new metal record. Uh-huh. They were a big thrash band, and the first few records were unbelievable, and then all of a sudden, they do, like, a new metal record where he's rapping, and he's even embarrassed by it. Rob yeah. Flynn, he's like, ah, oh, man, I should... You know, he's like, all right, that was just... I, I was going through a phase. I thought this is where, where music was going. I don't think Metallica... I don't think this record is so different than the previous four or five that you know that that they came before this i think if you're going to talk about a record where the band really made a turn it's in their load and reload do you know what i mean like they're not i don't even know if, if what i'm saying is completely true now as i think about it i always feel like metallica has this underlying you know, metal, it's always metal. It's just sometimes the volume's up to 11 and sometimes they drop it down to a six. Like if you had to say where, if, if, if ride the lightning and master of puppets are an 11, where, where, what, what level on the amp is this? Six. This is a six. Yeah. Because it, you know, you come from injustice for all, how heavy that record was to this album. But, but you know, then again, look, you can write commercial songs, you know, these are more commercial and not as heavy, but you don't know if they're going to be hits. You don't know if MTV is going to take you, take a like into your videos and they're going to catch on. So they didn't know. Yeah. You write songs, but you, until you release it to the public, you have no idea as a band. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, you could stack the lineup and, you know, put five or five of the first six songs as big, you know, you think they're commercial and they're going to be, but they didn't know at the time. They didn't know what it was going to blow up into. I mean, let's see how, how, how well this did. And then we'll, we'll wrap this up. Cause I've got all my facts, but by the way, uh, my, uh, the guy that writes my script, he used to be on, he used to be third mic on the show, Adam, uh, who writes, gets all the information for me and puts it up nicely so I don't have to waste my time doing this anymore. God bless you, Adam, for thank you for doing that. He's seen Metallica 35 times. Really? 35 times, he said. Um, all right, so 
The album debuted at number one on 10 album charts, including four weeks at number one on the Billboard. It's certified six times platinum in America and is the 24th best-selling album of all time, selling more copies than Bad by Michael Jackson and Nevermind uh, by Nirvana. It is the highest-selling metal album of all time and one of the most successful albums of the modern age. In December of 2009, Nielsen Southscan announced that it surpassed Shania Twain's Come On Over to become the best-selling album since they began tracking sales for Billboard on March 1st, 1991. At this point, this record has sold over 30 million copies. That's and, in- and you know what? And it's also the second longest album that's been on the charts, week the top 200 charts, be- behind... Uh, Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon, which is crazy. So this is the second album, the, the longest tenure ever that's that stayed on the Billboard uh, Top 200 chart. Yeah, I mean, they've sold over 125 million records worldwide. Uh, one of the most successful bands of all time, uh, inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in their second year, they were eligible, which is insane. Right, and it first, took Black Sabbath like six years to yeah, get Yeah, but that's just, that makes no sense. That, that To me, there's one of those things that makes no sense. They've influenced, I mean... Corn and and I'm just naming bands Chevelle and Rage and any of the bands that that we like that are that have come out the Godsmack I mean they're like you know they're they're a they're a huge important band now I know this is off topic um and we we didn't really go through like it took eight months to make this blah 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 do you think do you think Metallica like I just want to ask this like uh, the Napster thing what are your thoughts on that. He, they, he, Lars was ahead of his time, you know? I mean, they were, the fans were really pissed. Like, but Lars was like, hey, you're stealing our music. The fuck, what's going on? You know what I mean? Like, why you're supposed to be paying for it. You know, what the, the record labels should have just worked something out with Napster instead of going after them because once they shot Napster down, there was eight other venue avenues where you could get the music for free. Yeah. But, you know, I guess they were doing that song for um, Mission Impossible, I Disappear. They were doing a song for the soundtrack, and somehow... They weren't even finished with the song and it got out there on the internet. And Lars is like, how the fuck did that get out there? Where is it? It goes, oh, there's a site called Napster. So he's like, how the fuck is that out there already? Like somebody from the studio must have released it, took it and shared the file or whatever. So he was pissed and that's what set him off. And, and he's like, hey, we're doing it for the big, for the smaller bands, too. We'll take the the heat on this. He didn't think he was going to take that much heat. Oh, they took heat, dude. Major heat. But he's like, I'm doing it for the smaller bands, too, that need this money. We don't need the money, necessarily. But the smaller bands are driving around in a van and people are stealing their music. That's the only way you're going to get paid. Yeah. So he was right with it. It's just that he took the bullet for a lot of bands. Yeah. I mean, do you think that affected their... I don't know, the, the image of, of like, it's like they used to watch that South Park episode. You ever see that one I'm talking about? No, I didn't, but. South Park, they they really, like the, the boys want to start a band and um, and uh, and Cartman wants to do a Christian rock band. He's like, this is what will be big. And he's, of course, right. But the other three guys, like, they, they, to down they to, to they need to find their sound so to, they can't afford to buy the music so they find they can download it for free on Napster and they get caught by the FBI and then the FBI takes them around it's like oh you don't think you're hurting anybody this is Britney Spears she just had to downgrade to a G4 uh, jet <laughs> instead of a G5 and she's just all sad and and this is this is Lars Ulrich like he just got, he couldn't get that gold plated swimming pool that he wanted and they just I mean, South Park is like, you know, they're, 
<laughs> in my opinion, one of the some of the funniest TV shows of all time. But I mean, they really push it to like the utmost. utmost. I get, you know, the, the I remember the the theory was at the time the bands like, okay, are you okay with? If I if I have my new CD is out in a record store, someone just comes in, takes it off the shelf, and walks out of the store without paying for it, because that's basically what they're doing. Sure. Are we okay with that? Are you gonna be? You know, would you be okay with that if that was your CD and you weren't an artist and someone stole it and you didn't get the royalties off of that? Because that's the only way we make money besides touring. So yeah, he had a good point on the artist side. And now look, it's all worked out now where you know the streaming is is huge now. You know. It used to be you just buy the CD once, and that's the 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 band got the royalty off of that, and that was it. They never bought it again. Now with the playing the songs over and over again, and a, that money accumulates, so it's it's great for the artists now. Yeah, I, look, I, I just think it was you know it just for a lot of us those young kids that were downloading music illegally, like which was to me the coolest thing ever. It was yeah, like, oh of my course. god, I can get every song ever. Just it, it might take nine hours for me to download it on my parents' dial up, but I get it. And and then when it when remember that Metallica thing happened, I was like, man, this fucking sucks. And then I don't know if I would say that it made me dislike Metallica more, but I was just like, dude, you guys have so much money. Like, yeah, I mean, you know, Lars really sold it. Like, hey, I'm doing it for the younger bands. This has got to stop. This is how we make our money. Our money. Wrong. So You're not he was wrong. not wrong, but he definitely he didn't think it was going to get this big and that much hate thrown at him. Yeah, uh, look, it's. It's uh, that's I don't know what what's worse, you know, Lars doing that or the the snare sound in San Anger <laughs> or doing the album with Lou Reed. Oh, was that bad? I never even listened oh, to it. Brutal. Is it really that yeah, bad? Yeah, Lulu. It's horrible. <laughs> you don't even mention it in the albums that. No, because that's, that's that's like a side project. That sure. doesn't mean anything. But no, it, that's bad. Yeah. All right. They they wrote that song. You know, shoot me again is on uh, San Anger. It's a great song. You know, it's, you know, James just goes, shoot me again. I ain't dead yet. And, it's, and, and that was over the whole Napster thing, but all the shit the Metallica took. Yeah. I love that song. I love the lyrics in it. It was all about Napster and what they went through. Look, I'll, I'll say this. I, I, you know, Metallica isn't, isn't my favorite band, um, but I respect the fuck out of them, man. I, I really do. And I, and I love... You know, after going through what they went through with losing their their basis with Cliff, the way that he died, which which, you know, I've lost a friend like that, you know, to regroup with Jason, uh, you know, make, you know, an incredible few records with him. And then to have the fighting that they the infighting that they had that you that they showed us in which is like ridiculous that they would put it all out there like that. Uh, and, and still continue just like, yes, they're, they're not writing hits that are on the radio, but they, their fan base just gets bigger and bigger and bigger because those first, you know, six, six records are so good that, you know, it's just like, I don't think anything they ever write again is going to touch these, you know, up until here. No, until no, the black record, they won't. And but and that they're almost like a classic rock album now for the for the older people that grew up on them. So they'll go see them every time around. That's their band. That's their Stones. For metal guys, that's our Stones band. Yeah, they no, come around. Right. They do it. They, they're doing two stadium dates in at MetLife Stadium. You know, two nights and a Friday night and then a Sunday with diff- different set lists and different bands opening, which is going to be great. Yeah, I'm I'm going to be on the road for that. I'm a little bummed. Yeah, but uh, maybe if I'm off, I might fly in for it. All right, uh, I ask these questions to everybody. Uh, what's your favorite song on this record? 
you know, I hate going with the hits. Go with the hits, dude. That's what, I, those are the good. What are you going to say? The struggle within, like a bitch. <laughs> I'm going to go wherever I may roam. I've got to say the unforgiven. I mean, the, uh, nothing else matters is great, but I also love my friend, the misery. I love that deep track I think, track 11. Yeah. Wherever I may roam, I, I think is the, um, I tend not to go with the hits, but I'm going to go with that one out of, out of the five hits on the record. But the deep track that I love is my friend, the misery. Yeah. I, I unforgiven. Listen, enter Sandman rules, sad, but true rules. I would say it's unforgiven just because uh, I, the music video that went with it was so good. I actually think we had the guy that directed it uh, on the podcast this week. Um, I'm almost positive. I can't. I, fuck. I can't even remember what his name was. All right. What's your least favorite track on the record? Um, of Wolf and Men. Yeah, I'm going to go Don't Tread on Me. I, I just I, I like hate. that I like the tread on me. I don't of Wolf and Man and um through to Never, I'm not crazy about. All right. Can you fuck to this record? Of course. Yeah. You can. Yeah. Have you? <laughs> um probably not. I remember I used to bring girls home and I only had heavy metal records on. I'm like they're like, Can you put some music on? I'm like, fuck. I'm like, well, Ozzy's got a ballad. I mean, you know. Mom, the I'm times coming. have changed. Mom, the times home. have changed. Yeah. Yeah. Here <laughs> I am, cause I'm not the same. Uh, I, think I remember that, so I, I was like, "Shit, I gotta get something in my catalog if I got a, a girl home." So I remember I got that Chardé record because that was that one that everyone fucked to. Oh, it's a great. And fuck I got record. Madonna uh, one of her records, so I'm like, "All right, I'm good." So I just fucking throw that on. <laughs> All right, this is a stupid question, but we ask it: uh, Can you work out to this record? Absolutely, absolutely. I don't think there's ever an album that that isn't. This album is made, like we said earlier, for throwing weight around, and and it's just it's perfect. Um, what would be your elevator pitch to get somebody to listen to this record? Um, you know, I go, look, if you want to start with the hits record, you want to start with the, like, this reminds me of like Nirvana, Nevermind. It reminds me of Black Sabbath, Paranoid. It reminds me of the first Pearl Jam record, 10. Yeah. It's got all the hits on it. You want to start with the hit album, go to this album. I would recommend Master of Puppets, but this is all of the, you're going to know. Oh, I know this song. Oh yeah, I know this song. Yeah, I've heard this one. This this is, this is like uh, uh, the... This is like the beginner's heavy metal. Yeah. This is a good way to introduce somebody to a genre. And oh, say, yeah. This is like ACDC, Back in Black. You yes. want all the hits, go to Back in Black. This is Appetite for Destruction. Yeah, Appetite it, for it's, Destruction. It is, it's Nirvana Nevermind. Like yeah. you said, it's like it's a very easy listen, even if the, the noise might be aggressive at some places, but you can't deny that they wrote uh, a, an incredible heavy metal pop record. And I mean, it's it's made their career. Um, dude, this was great. I'm so glad you're coming back. Um, please promote away anything you want to promote. I do a podcast called Everybody is Awful. It's out every Monday. And then um, I do a show on Ozzy's Boneyard on Sirius XM every Thursday. Well, mostly music. I talk a little bit in between. I pick my own songs, do that. And we do a show, me, Don Jameson, and Eddie Trunk called That Rocks on YouTube. Fuck every yeah. Wednesday, youtube.com slash at that rocks. It's sort of like that metal show, but it's on YouTube. Yeah, fuck yeah, dude. Uh, this is great, man. Thank you, buddy. Thank you, man. Holy Lola, it was Jimmy Jimmy Florentine. Follow him on Instagram at Jim Florentine. Follow him on Twitter at Mr. Jim Florentine. And go to his website, jimflorentine.com, for all things Florentine. Okay, new music. 
Gojira. This is a song called Another World. It's from their 2021 album Fortitude, and the links are on our website, the500podcast.com. They're a good band. I've heard of their names. They seem like they fucking rule. Obviously, I've never listened to them, but but I'm listening to them now, and yeah, you know what? I like this. All right, send us your song. We will play your music at the end of our podcast if you send it to us to 500podcast at gmail.com and uh, put the album and artists that influence you in the subject line. Um... Yeah, man, I'm excited. Next episode. After this, dude, I'm gone. I am gone. I am I am arenas living my dream. Living my dream. Um, couldn't be more excited. And, you know, we got episodes coming out. Don't worry. Uh, the intros might suck, but uh, but the shows are great. We really, really nailed it for you guys. Thank you for listening. Whoa. Thank you for listening. Next one, Otis Redding, 1966. Complete and unbelievable. It's a good one, good one. Listen to it. We'll see you next week.
Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VTW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty, host of the Punk Rock NBA podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. My podcast is all about doing what you love for a living, and every week I sit down and talk to people who have done exactly that. For example, musicians like Tommy from Between the Buried Me, Matt from Periphery, Lil Lotus and Shinigami, among many others, photographers, artists, designers, YouTubers like Glenn Fricker and Sarah Dietschy, and I unpack exactly how they got to where they are today with the goal of helping you do the same. So if that sounds cool, you can listen and subscribe at soundtalentmedia.com, and I'll see you there. Next Chapter Podcasts.